Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zaluski. I'm your host. This is episode 10 of the, in the Condo Vultures podcast series. For episode 10, what we're going to do is we're going to speak to a hard money lender about how lending terms, financing terms have changed during the COVID-19 pandemic era. Now, you might be asking yourself, what exactly a hard money lender? A hard money lender is effectively a private lender who will lend out his own money as well as money on behalf of investors. Hard money lender makes its money by being able to finance a deal relatively quickly. In the situation that we have for this podcast, we have Alexis Agopian, who goes by Alex. Alex works for, or actually founded and runs a company called ANS Capital. ANS Capital is based in the Miami area, effectively the um, Miami suburb of Aventura. The way they make their money is they make their money available quickly. Within three days, you can actually get a loan for your real estate. Now, what they're going to do is they're going to charge a little bit higher interest rates. While a traditional mortgage might be somewhere in the ballpark of 3, 4, 5%, um, Alex is going to be charging somewhere between 8 and 12%. And his loans typically last for about 14 months versus a traditional loan, which would probably be somewhere in the ballpark of uh, you know, 10, 20, even 30 years. So effectively, if you need to get from point A to point B in order for your project to be successful, you need someone to help you bridge uh, point A to point B, you're going to reach out to somebody who is a private money lender and or a hard money lender. So that's what it is. So now that COVID-19 has hit and no one knows where real estate prices are going, the people really at the forefront understanding and trying to anticipate where the market's going to head is ultimately going to be those hard money lenders because they're putting their money on the street, their own cash. Not the cash that effectively is insured by the federal government, but the money that they've been able to uh, collect, earn, and ultimately put to work. So uh, this podcast should be extremely interesting. If you don't know anything about hard money lending, all the details will be laid out. It'll give you some perspective. And if you are looking for a hard money lender, um, Alex might be somebody to actually reach out to. While he's based in South Florida, he actually does business all over the United States. He was doing some deals uh, while when we did this interview up in uh, New York, up in Chicago, as well as in the Atlanta area. So if you're looking for cash, it's real estate related. Um, hard money lenders might be a way to help you get, again, from point A to point B. Once you run through the course of that loan, again, typically about up to 14 months months or so, then you refinance uh, the terms of your current real estate loan and you go to a traditional bank. So that is the purpose. That is what a hard money lender does. And we're going to get into some of the details in this podcast effectively about how you can use a hard money lender as one of the tools in your shed to try to be successful in real estate. Now that'll be segment one and two and segment three and four. We're going to have a roundtable of former journalists, myself included. We're going to be kicking around three 
of the biggest headlines that occurred within the last week in the South Florida real estate market to help um, you, the audience, understand sort of what's going on, boots on the ground in South Florida right now. Uh, some of the issues that we're faced with is we have the lifting of the stay-at-home order uh, due to COVID-19. We're also dealing with all the protests that are going on nationwide as a result of the killing of an African-American man up in the Minneapolis area by a white police officer. So uh, we all know about the protests. We all know about COVID. And um, we're soon going to find out, if you listen to this podcast, what's exactly uh, going on from a hard money lender's perspective, as well as what former journalists have to say. So I encourage you to buckle up. I encourage you to carve out about an hour to an hour and a half and just sit back, take it all in. And chances are you're going to know a lot more after this podcast than what you came in uh, realizing. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and be sure to check back next week. We'll have another new brand new podcast for you. If you have any comments, you have any tips, any suggestions, any criticisms, critiques about how we're doing the podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of greater downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County, South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. I have the pleasure of having on this podcast, this is podcast number 10, I have someone who's uh, in the industry which is called hard money lending. Hard money lending. You're asking yourself, hard money lending, what exactly is that? Well, what it means is it's somebody who will put money on the street, they'll lend it to you, and it's quick as three days, and you'll be able to go ahead and do your real estate deal and ultimately get into a deal you want to get into when a bank ultimately probably wouldn't be able to probably deliver. So who I have on for this podcast, and you're going to enjoy this podcast, is Alexis. And I'm going to, let me see if I pronounce it correctly. I go peon. That's, he goes that's, by Alex. That's perfect. Just perfect. Just perfect. You said it just right. Imagine that. I'm a gringo. I don't speak much Spanish, but I was able to get the pronunciation. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you, you my time in Miami. Right. It worked me well. <laughs> so, so Alex, you 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 run an organization. You're the you're the founder. You're and and the owner of an organization called ANS Capital, based in Aventura, which is a suburb of Miami. It's sort of located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Correct? Yes, that's correct, Peter. Um, we started ANS Capital uh, three years ago. Uh, a stands for Agopian, and S stands for Silverstein, who's my partner, George. Okay. So we were in we were in real estate investments, uh, mainly buying real estate uh, from you know from the court or from different sources, from wholesalers and all different bunch of of providers of of, of real estate. So we noticed that um, the people who were offering offering uh, money to you know, hard money lenders out there were very uh, complicated, you know? They, they were complicated. They weren't giving uh, fast answers. They weren't giving, like, 
like because when you are in investing in real estate uh what you want is assurances you can go hard on a contract and then and then your your lender you know just says no at the last minute you know that's the worst thing that can happen to anyone so we we realized that 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 there were no companies that had a like a more uh, a more friendly approach with customers so we decided to fund this company and we've been doing it uh very very well since uh 2017 2017 okay now, yeah. now alex you've said a lot of things here let, let let me slow you down let me ask you some questions for the audience because again our audience is everywhere from prague to sydney from toronto down to buenos aires so i want to make sure everybody's on the same page okay and and I should tell you, if you feel like cursing, we allow that on our podcast. So you're not ah, on the radio, and if you need to swear, <laughs> let it rip. <laughs> okay. I'll try not to, because if not, my mother is going to get mad at me. But yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, my, I, I've already heard from my mother, and she doesn't appreciate what we call salty language, but screw it. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so number one, everyone in South Florida... Uh, come from a different place. Uh, I hear a little bit of an accent, and the audience probably does as well. Where are you from, and how did you get to Miami? I'm originally from Argentina. I came uh, like seven years ago um, and started doing, I always, since the day one that I came, I came with a plan of doing real estate investments and, you know, doing different kinds of, of, of things related to real estate. And one thing led to another one, and here we are lending money. Okay. Now, another important question, because our, our audience is all over the world. What is better, Argentinian Rodicio or Brazilian Rodicio? Oh, uh, that's a very tough question, you know, because, you know, 70% of the people who work at my office are Brazilian. So I'm, I'm very scared of what I'm going to say. But I have to say, <laughs> but I would say that Argentinian with the Brazilian service would be a good mix. It's a good mix. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That, so, so people know that. Do, do you have a favorite uh, Rodicio in South Florida that you go to? Because uh, some of the audience members, if they're living here or they visit, they might want to check out something that you give a thumbs up to. Any restaurant in particular? Uh, it's not a Rodicio, but it's a steakhouse. Uh, they really like it. And it's called, um, it's called, uh, Ah, I, I forgot the name. It's in, in Brickle. Uh, it's in Brickle. Okay. Oh, uh, Porto Madero? PM? Yes, PM, PM, PM. Yeah, Porto Madero. Yeah. That's, that's yep. the, for me, it's my favorite place. Yeah, it, and, and it, it I can tell you I've had a lot home. of business lunches there. Fantastic. Yeah, reminds me home, you know? Nice, nice. And Porto Madero, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's actually a city. That's actually a port town in southern Argentina. It's a neighborhood in Buenos Aires. And Porto Madero. Buenos Aires. Okay. Yeah, it's a neighborhood that it's uh, just next to the port and all the and if you go to this restaurant in Brickell, you can feel the same vibe. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. They really did it well. Now, they, they, they did really they did it really good. Yeah. 
Now, now our, our audience is obviously global-minded, and Miami and South Florida are global-minded, so people are aware of things going on. Argent, the Argentinian government just had an issue recently with some of its debt where it wasn't able to pay. Um, this is something that's happened over the course of years. Uh, what, what, what's sort of the latest from Argentina? What, what, what are you hearing? What's the circumstance on the ground in Argentina right now? So, uh, basically, Argentina is facing a very deep crisis, but this is not from now, you know. It's been like the last 10 years uh, have been very, very difficult from Argentina, jumping from one government to the other one. So this has created, you know, unstable policies for for yep. for business people. So so now, now we, we got to a point uh, that nobody wants to invest nothing. So the quarantine is uh, mandatory and people is like, extending it uh, every month and you can't even go out of your house so the, the economic crisis is very very hard uh to you know to to surpass and yeah and yeah and so what are my conversations with with businessmen from argentina you know investors and all kinds of people is that they 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 first of all they don't know how they're gonna make it after the quarantine is over and second of all, once once this is over, uh, they want to move their, their, you know, their money to safer markets. And of course, Argentinians, yes. we always see uh, the United States, especially Miami, as a very good, uh, as a very good market to in, for for investing money. Now, 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 it's always said, um, foreign nationals always say what they like about the United States and Miami in particular is that you have U.S. infrastructure. You have the roads, you have the electricity, you have the banking, you have the legal system. But then also, too, you have the, the, the cultural affinity of people from Argentina and other parts of South America or Latin America and the Caribbean here. Is that something you would agree with? Yes, 100 percent. Because, for example, when an, when an investor approaches to, to us, um, you know, we always recommend him to have uh, uh, as a part of our our system, right? We always give yep. him a free consultation with an attorney, with a free consultation with a with an accountant, the CPA, and yes. and all these people are uh, mainly Latin or Argentinian or Brazilian or Cuban, so so they feel safe because imagine an Argentinian guy or a Brazilian guy. Uh, talking to talking to to an attorney that is based in Texas. I mean, they they wouldn't understand each other, you know. So yes. So this is very important. I mean, because they feel, and and it's true. I mean, doing business here in Miami for a Latin American, it's much easier than in any other part of the world. I would say. Now, 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 you you are in Miami. Um, uh, but you do business and you can do business throughout the United States. Is that correct? That's correct, Peter. And we do, we do, we, we have done, uh, business in more than 10 States, and but always based in, in Miami. Of course, of course that our, our best, our best service we can provide in Miami in terms of, of turnover response, in terms of, of being a, a quick closing and all that. Of course, South Florida is our home, so this is where we do it better. But we are closing only this week. We are closing uh, in a deal in New York, two deals in, in Illinois, Chicago, and, okay. and we are closing another one in Georgia. So that's for 
as an example of what's going on this week alone. Okay, now now if some if somebody's sitting out there and they say, you know what, I'd like to reach out to Alex. Um, is, is there anything that you won't consider in terms of location or 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 product type that will you lend your money? You and you primarily do residential. Yeah, uh, we primarily do residential. Um, by residential, I mean single family homes, condos, okay, and uh, multi-families, okay. We we have okay. done in our in our history we have done you know hotels, motels, retail, mixed use. We do ground up construction. We do all all kind all kinds of, of of stuff. But of course, with COVID and the new situation, remember, we do we do short term loans, right? It's bridge yep. loans. Yep. So basically, I mean in deals like hotels or retail, you know, are a little bit more compromised these days. I see. I see. And and for those complicated deals, um, how, how long do those take uh, minimum? I mean, if a, if a traditional residential is three days, what would something more complicated like a hotel thing? Is that a week or two or is that even longer? Um, well, the, the most important thing, uh, we're not doing hotels right now because of the situation, but we have some hotels in our pipeline that are uh, like hotels that, that investors bought to rehab and, you know, to put a flag and stuff like that. Of course, a hotel or a commercial property always takes a little bit more time because because the appraisal that we need to do on a hotel, it's a commercial appraisal and commercial appraisals take more time, uh, normally take more time, I would say between two and three weeks. After we have the appraisal, we can in these two three weeks we can do the rest of the stuff, and so basically that that's what's gonna take to close. Okay, okay, and and so people have an idea. You basically are lending out your own money and the money on behalf of your investors, correct? Correct. Correct. And in terms of uh, when someone goes to a bank, say they want to buy a condo, they go to a or they want to buy a house. They go to a bank. A bank is lending out its money, but it has to follow rules that are set by banking regulators. Yeah, I would say that that's the most uh, important uh, or the most relevant difference between a private lender and a, and a conventional lender. So you go to a bank okay. and you have to start filling out forms and forms and form after form. And you have to send all kinds of information. And then they ask you the same information again. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and everybody is, is working under the C, uh, CYA rules, you know, cover your ass. So nobody is giving you. Cover your ass. <laughs> you can say it on this podcast. Yeah, say yeah, it loud. Yeah. Mom, mom is not going to be happy, but I have to say it because that's the reality. You know, Peter, you know, they, they, yes. they, they ask you so many things and no, nobody wants to give the final signature. What you get when you come to us is that, is that we are the decision makers and we are the ones who write the check. So, of course, I have my team here who's going to be processing the loans and everything. But ultimately, you will talk to me. I'm very easy to re to reach to me or to my partner, George. And we will and we are going to we are we are the ones that are going to uh, to to approve a loan or not. And that's going to happen very fast, much faster than any bank. So you send me you send me you send me an inquire and same day I will tell you I'm interested. Send me this, this, and that information. The sooner you send me, the sooner your loan is gonna get approved. You know. 
Yep. Now, 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 Alex, bank, bankers are known for working very strict hours from, let's call it nine to five, eight to five, uh, Monday through Friday, excluding holidays. How, how, how much do you guys work? What, what, what kind of hours are you available? Well, that's a question that, that my wife should, ask, should answer you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hours. You know, when you're running a company and it's your company and you're running not only uh, on behalf of your borrowers uh, slash clients and also with your investors, uh, from all over the from all different countries, uh, there's no there's no strict hours. We work twenty four seven, and our main goal is to to make everybody happy, and of course to be successful while doing that. So, got it. Our phone is always my my clients. My clients have my my cell phone, you know, and they call me, and I sometimes I tell them, "Come on, man, it's it's Sunday ten a.m. Let's leave this for tomorrow if it's not important, but." I mean, it's we are always there for them. Assuming it's not during the World Cup and Argentina's competing. <laughs> the last uh, four cups, they can call anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about that's what I like about you, Alex. You got that, that personality, that dry sense of humor. <laughs> what, what can what can we do, man? We 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 are based on facts, you know. <laughs> I, when, yep, yep, when, you, yep. when we started this conversation, you said something very interesting, which is that I am the, this is the 10th uh, podcast. And that's very, and that, as an Argentinian, that's special because 10 is the number of Maradona and, and he's been the greatest right. player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure when I have a Brazilian developer on or someone who does lending, they'll probably say the same thing about Yeah, me. but he will be, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, so he won't be able to match. <laughs> Great point. Great point. Now, now, um, uh, Alex, in, in your mind, can you just define what a hard money lender means? People hear that term, but they don't really know what it yeah. means. Can you make it very simple for them? Well, first of all, we don't like calling ourselves uh, hard money lenders because it sounds too tough. We we call ourselves yes. uh, we call we call ourselves private money lenders, and basically, and okay. basically. What we are is uh, we offer uh, we offer solutions to real estate investors who wants to get who want to get their their deals done in a efficient way. Okay, that's that's what we are. And if the deal makes sense, okay. we will fund it. Yes, yes. And and when you fund it, your your funding is going to be based on a ratio, a loan to value, based on what you think the property is worth. Yes. Correct? Which is the same thing that a bank does. It's the same thing as a bank does. Of course, we we private lending uh, does lower loan to values uh, than banks. Yes. But basically, what's what 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 happens is that people who come to us, investors who come to us, they got a great piece of property. They're gonna give some kind of added value to this property, okay? And and after that, they're gonna either sell it or refinance it with a bank. Basically, when they come to us. That property is not ready to go to a bank, so they need a bridge loan, so so they can put that property in shape in order to refinance it with a bank or sell it, or either to sell it with somebody that's going to finance it. That that's the main 
core of the and that can happen on a hundred thousand dollar single family home on a, or on a five million dollar uh, hotel got it and and when you say a short loan how how, how long are your loans typically from your clients here in South Florida? My the, the average, the average. I mean, the notes that we do are uh, for for twelve months, and sometimes depending the negotiation and depending the deal, we can give options to extend the note. Okay, um, but our 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 average, I would say, it's fourteen months. The life of a note, the life months. of a note, is fourteen months. Okay. And so again, somebody in the audience sitting out there, they might be in London or they might be in Hong Kong. Um, the reason you refer to it as bridge, because it gets you from one point to the other. And it's the bridge that connects the two uh, moments in time for you, the borrower. Correct. Correct. And that's why that's why the, the you know, the rates, the rates are a bit, a little bit uh, long, uh, higher because that that's based on on higher risk. You know, quick decisions yep. and 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 things like that that make it makes it, of course, a little bit more expensive than, than banks. Now, 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 a reason somebody um, might come to you is someone buying a house; they need to renovate it so they can turn around and sell it. But a bank might not finance it because the house isn't ready to go yet. That's some. That's a place you would correct. Correct. Okay. So in, in terms of interest rates, just to give them a comparison. So if they're sitting out there and they're saying, okay, the interest rates are low right now in the United States, I can get a mortgage on my place for, you know, 4%, 5%. Um, what, what, what would your rates start? Our at? rates uh, range between 85 and 11%. Okay. But the okay. decision to come to a private lender is, is not going to be comparing uh, comparing the private lender with the bank, the decision is going to be is going to be okay. I found this property. I need to close fast on this property because I got it at a great price. I need to close now. I don't have all the money. Then you go to a private lender because you are you you are buying a property at a very discounted price. So you're gonna make money when you sell it, right? And That's right. banks can That's never right. do that. Banks to do a loan with a bank, it's gonna take you at least. 70 days the today's market 90 to 120 days so that's why that's why private lending is a very successful business and 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 we've helped uh many 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 investors to succeed in their businesses it's not only that look we have another we can i tell you a little story We, we 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 received last year a guy in our offices, he came, said, I'm this, I do this, I build houses, I've been building houses the last 30 years, I've built houses that are worth $10 million in Naples, now I'm moving here to to Florida, to South Florida, and uh, I'm going to be building uh, houses in, in, in Fort Laurel, and so he shows me his file, his credit, everything, and the guy is solid. And I ask him, excuse me, why do you come to us? Why don't you go to a bank? And he tells me, because I'm fed up with banks. I can't stand them anymore. You have, I have all this experience, all this. I'm solid. I have money. I have the properties. I have the knowledge. And they give me hard time for financing. Every time, every time I want to draw money from them, it takes me like 45 days. 
and I can't, I can't, I yep. can't work like that anymore. So what I decided is I go to you, I go to a private lender, and I do one more deal a year, and that's it. And and and, and that's that's a very that's a very a situation that we are living more and more every day, you know. Yeah, and now I don't want you to talk about the market yet because I want to do that on the second side of uh, uh, our commercial. But but I do want to ask you something before we take a break for a commercial. Um, uh, your your more your loans are typically fourteen months or so. If somebody goes to a bank, it's typically thirty years or so. Um, if somebody's successful and they want to refinance earlier, um, do you guys charge a prepayment penalty or how does that? Work? Yeah, no, of course not. You know, uh, that's one of the of our main advantages. We don't do prepayment penalties because we know we want our clients to be successful. So if you did everything you had to do in six months and you want to pay us out, pay us off. I mean, we are happy because we know that you are going to find another deal and you're going to come to us again and, and it's going to be like that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, well um, Alex, I want I want to take a commercial break right now. And on the other side of the commercial, I want to ask you to uh, tell us what you're seeing on the ground, what you're seeing from your lending activity, and what your future, what you think the future might be. That, how does that sound? Is, of course. Yeah. All right. You're listening to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. have the pleasure of having Ellis Agopian from ANS Capital up in Aventura, which is located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. We're going to take a commercial break. On the other side, we're going to ask Alex to give us some predictions as to what he sees coming. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. We have the pleasure this week of having a conversation with somebody who's a private lender, uh, a bridge lender. Some people call him a hard money lender. He doesn't necessarily, but that's what some people in the industry say. This is Alex Agopian. He's with ANS Capital. He's a founder as well as a owner of the firm with his partner. They're based in Aventura, which is between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. How you doing, Alex? I'm you here. Still there? I'm here. <laughs> All right. I guess my questioning didn't scare you away. You didn't hang up and no, and not leave. yet, not yet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe later, but not yet. <laughs> maybe later. Okay, fantastic. So, so we we talked a little bit about your industry and how basically your niche is being is to be flexible for real estate people who want to get their hands on money, maybe up to a fourteen uh, month period. You, they, you pay, they pay a little bit higher of an interest rate, but they're able to get the money in as little as three days in a, in a, in a market where now it's taking 90 to 120 days in order to get financing. So it's a nice little niche for you to be. Yes. In. Yes. We, we really enjoy what we do. Uh, we come. The most important thing is, uh, is where you come from, you know, and we, we are doing, we are working with finances and but we come from real estate. We don't come from the bank industry or the Wall Street industry. So so that that gives us a very a very good advantage uh, because we understand how real estate works 
and we understand the, the challenges that, that real estate people have. Now, now, in terms of challenges that real estate people have, you, were, were you trying to do real estate before you got into the financing side, or do you still do real estate? Can you give people some Yes, of course. No, I always did real estate, and that's why we ended up uh, building ANS Capital, but I still do real estate, yes. Okay, and what kind of what what kind of real estate do you get into? We are now in the market of 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 rental properties. We buy rental properties. Okay, okay. And did you also manage them as well, or um, you, you have a we have uh, no, we have a management company that that manages the property for us. Basically, what we do, we buy we buy property, we give added value, we fix them up, we raise the rents. Uh, and and after that yep. we refi- we do it with with private money too, and then we refinance that with banks and long term, and uh, we do that with yep. in, with investors. We also do we also do the same. This, this we do with residential. We also do warehouses like flex spaces, and so yep. we like the the business of the multi. The, we like the multi tenant business, you know. I see. I see. And it, it, is there any kind of number you can give to give people an idea of how um, uh, large your organization is in terms of maybe money you put on the street or maybe units that you're currently owning? Anything just to give them an, an idea? Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, we call ourselves ourselves a boutique lending firm because we are only six people in our organization. And... Okay. Um, but we are very efficient. We were we have developed a very efficient uh, way of, of working. So basically, we are originating this year. We're gonna be originating seventy million, seventy-five million. Yes. Wow. We, yes. Seven five, seventy-five Seven, million five. dollars yes. during a pandemic. We have we have yeah we, we were going to we were going to break the hundred million, but you know. You, Thanks to COVID, that that we slowed down a little bit, but yeah, no, and and yep. and the good thing about us is is that we are not brokering. You know, we originate and we have all the notes yep. in our in our books. So we have like a hundred and something million dollars in our books. Uh, we service our loans, so everything is in house. Got it. And what what also is in house is 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 market experience and knowledge you're actually seeing what's going on so that's giving you great insight when you go to do your next deal whether it's a loan or you make yeah that's funny you know what what's the best thing we do we like working in in a team basis when a borrower comes to our office or when we start developing a relationship with a borrower we like we like to feel like mm-hmm. like he's our partner because if he makes money we make money and and we are happy and he's happy and that's the only way that it should work so many of our borrowers ended up being our partners in different deals, you know, and that's that's very, yeah, it is. is. That right? It is. Now, now, one of the things that's happening right now is um, uh, landlords are being faced with some challenges because tenants uh, maybe don't want to or can't pay. Um, what, what's been your experience thus far in terms of maybe having to foreclose on somebody who had great ideas? 
uh, uh, you like the people, but ultimately the market didn't necessarily play out the way they, they want. Have you had to go through that experience or can you just talk I can about talk that? about that. We haven't had any experience like that because as, as we do short-term loans, uh, COVID shouldn't be... Yep. COVID-19 shouldn't be messing with our loans, you know, because, uh, but, okay. but on the other hand, uh, we know that we have uh, some, some borrowers that, that have rental properties that, that have some, some problems like collecting rent. But what we saw in our um, environment, uh, thank God, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't important. It was something very small. I think, I think June, and July are going to be worse than April and May. So that, that's my prediction. But until now, no major problems. Nobody defaulted on our notes because of COVID. Got it, got it. Be, 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 because, of, because of COVID, yeah. And we're, and we're still trying to see what's going to happen once all the federal money starts to dry yeah. up and things like that. And people actually yes. have to go back to yes. work. So. It, it, it should definitely be interesting. Now, I don't want you to make any predictions yet. I want to ask you another question. Um, in, in terms of the, the, the loans you do, uh, remind me, what, what is the range? What is the minimum amount? If somebody's out there, what's the l- lowest amount you would consider? The lowest amount we are trying to do is 150000 150,000. And what would be on the high end? What, what What's pushing the maximum under Our sweet spot would be under 3 million, but we have done things bigger than that. Okay. And, you, and yes. you've done things bigger than that. Okay. Okay. And, and, and then typically, if somebody's looking to get one of these mortgages and they want to work with you, how does the process work? Um, you're, they're they're going to reach out to you and then what, what, what sort of So happens? basically, they're going to call me or they're going to send me an email and they're going to send me some basic information about the deal. Hey, I have a client or, or I am, I, I want to buy this to do that. And they're going to give me some preliminary information. I'm going to have a look at that. I'm going to give you a fast answer. Uh, we are not interested in this type of deal because of this. I, when I say no, I always give, I always say why. <laughs> I always give the reason. When I reject the loan, I always give the reasons why I'm rejecting it. But if I like the loan, basically I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna ask some information, basic information about the deal. Yep. And when they se- when they send me everything, yep. and I finish my underwriting, that typically if they send me everything, it, it can take a day or two. Uh, basically, we will send the deal to the attorneys, and the attorneys will handle it there. I always, I always uh, ask my my clients or borrowers to to choose their title company because most most of the work in order to close is done by the title company. So I let them choose it, and my attorney only overviews everything and prepares the loan package. Uh, boom, boom, boom! We close. So, so in theory, somebody reaching out to you on a Monday, they could they could have their loan by Friday. One hundred percent. Most of the time, nice. That's got to be a relief. Correct. For a lot of investors it is, it out is. there. Most of the time, if that doesn't happen, I mean that that's that's my goal. That's my goal. But if that doesn't happen, it's because either the title company didn't complete their work. Because you know, title companies sometimes they work a little bit slow, <laughs> or be, or because they didn't yeah, provide yeah, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. information. 
But if the title work is done and they provide all the information that I want to see to see that the deal makes sense, we can close very fast. Same with. And, 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 and typically, can you get an appraiser out there soon, quick enough? Or do you guys do no, it in-house? No, we have, a, we have our group of appraisers that we can get them in the property very fast. Got it, got it, got it. Now, now um, things are changing. The, the, the traditional banks are changing how much money they'll, they'll lend you. Um, what, 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 what is your loan to value? Can you give an, people an idea what kind of what, what kind of loan versus the value of the property uh, can they expect? Yes, of course. They Peter, um, the loan to value that we are doing, for example, in a fix and flip, is we can go up to 80% on the purchase price. We can go also a hundred percent of the okay. renovation, as long as as long as the total amount does not exceed sixty five percent of the after repair value of the or the after stabilized value. What we want to see in any case is that we are not over sixty five percent loan to value. Okay, so for somebody who maybe doesn't understand that, that means the borrower has to have about thirty-five percent equity in the in the deal. Correct. Or, okay. Or, okay. Or, so, and 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 how is that different, if at all, from before COVID? Uh, before COVID, were you doing the same percentage, I was doing or was the it same different? Percentage, because you know, uh, COVID for, for for an experienced investor, COVID doesn't change a thing. As a as a matter as a matter in fact, good point. As a matter in fact, COVID is is going to to create opportunity. So we are looking to to work with uh, investors who understand the real estate and that that always take advantage on the situation on the situation on each situation. So yep. basically, COVID shouldn't be an issue of 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 changing loan to values or or stuff like that. Of course, with COVID, we are not doing hotels because hotels are now empty and uh, or short-term rentals because who knows when the market is going to be good again and we do short-term loans. So got it, got it, got it. And and let, let me ask you if somebody does borrow money I'm assuming they have to sign their name, so there's personal recourse. Is that correct, or is it only no, against the property? No, uh, we we do uh, full recourse loans. Yes, you do. Okay, just just so people kind of know. All right, now now's the part I want to get to. What 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 is going on? Uh, what are you seeing? What's your sentiment? What's your feel? Can you talk? Can you tell me about how things were going before COVID? And then maybe tell me how okay, things well, going since COVID. Basically, there's no news that in all industries things have slowed down, and real estate is not. Is, real estate, of course, is yep. one of them. But when you talk about real estate, real estate is very, it's very wide, and you gotta divide what kind of real estate are we talking here. Okay, so I would say, for example, yep, houses that are. Rental rental market is going to be stronger than ever. The rental market is going to be stronger than ever. So I okay. encourage I encourage investors from all over the world to buy property to rent. That's that's only gonna go up. Okay? Because when people when people can't buy, okay. they rent. That's a fact. 
on on real estate uh, like houses, the housing market. I mean, the the the, the cheap houses, the houses under four hundred thousand. I don't see a real problem there. The houses on okay. the meat market, you know, houses that go from four hundred to a million. I see those houses. I see those yes. this market affected a little bit. And the, and the other yeah, market yeah, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. don't see affected is the ultra luxury market. I think that market is very strong. Like I have a client who who put a house for six million in the market and he sold it for five and a half. Uh, I don't know two months later. So that's very, very fast for that kind of money. So then commercial property, very complicated. Retails, dead. Huh. Yeah. Anybody guess, right? <laughs> uh, big boxes, dead. <laughs> so hotels, yep. for the moment, dead. We we have, for example, we have a an operate. But look at look at this. I'm going to show you how the 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 death of somebody can be the the opportunity for somebody else. So now we we are we invest in in motels, the kind of uh, that kind of uh, extended stay hotels. You know the concept. Yes. And now we are seeing cheap yes. flags like Motel Six. Uh, that, that these kind of flags that are drying up and they are, you know, and they need to sell, they need to sell the property. So it's an opportunity, for example, for us to buy mm -hmm. this property and convert it into an extended stay because extended stay, we, our occupations have been like 90% throughout COVID. Yes. So wow. there's always opportunity. So there's going to be somebody that's going to come with a great idea and going to take, a, I don't know, a Sears big box that is empty and they're going to invent something that's going to be great. And they will do it only with, with the help of a private lender. They won't do it with the bank. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Now, now the, this podcast, we talk about all real estate, but I have a special uh, place in my heart for condos. I didn't hear you say condo. I heard you say yeah. everything else, but not condo. Well, the condo market was already market? very bad. So I don't think COVID necessarily uh, increased that that situation. I think the condo market has been in a really bad spot for the last three years, and uh, and I think it's going to continue yep. to it's going to continue to to be like this. There's no going to be sales or the sales that, that we're going to see. They're going to be between 25 and 35% discount. Nice. I like that number. <laughs> so does the audience. That's, that's the truth. You know, that's the <laughs> truth. You know, prices today of condos. Wait, when we say condos, we are talking about... Uh, luxury condos or pre-construction. We are not talking about the condos that are worth uh, 250 and under. We are talking about the big condos like in yes. in Brickell or um, or in downtown Sunny Isles all Sunny this, Isles or the or, new condos yeah. in New York even. So we have seen condos in New York that the prices have gone down drastically. So uh, so basically, th this type of property it's gonna continue to go down, and it's gonna be very, very slow. So, 
Yeah, but Alex, but uh, all the realtors yeah. keep telling me it's going up. Well, remember, <laughs> realtors work for a commission. Anybody who works on a commission would sell his mother <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, right? Very, I mean, that, um, the, the, what we saw here in Miami is that a lot, of, a lot of these condos were sold to foreign nationals, and uh, and and. The today's market is is lower than than what they paid, and breaks my heart because it happens every time, <laughs> every time. Yeah, and... it happens every time. So, so if, if somebody's out there and they have a condo, let's call it five hundred thousand dollars, and they want to get a loan, um, are you willing to finance anything with condominiums? Yeah, and if we, so, what we kind have, of loan to value? We have uh, we have done loans on condos. Uh, Especially for foreign nationals that 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 had that gave their fifty percent deposit already and they had to close and they didn't have the the money to close at that moment. We have done that. We do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, we try to not not to exceed the fifty five percent of the real appraised value, which sometimes is lower than what they paid for. And uh, I get complaints, you know. And but I try to. What I'm what I'm trying to say to everybody is like, okay, man, look, you bought a condo and today's value is 25% less, but with this with this situation, you could yeah. get into a rental property, a very good property, also at a discount. So maybe it's better for you to get rid of this property and get into jump to another opportunity, and in the long term, you will do good. And what about like single family? You think that's got a little bit more staying power? It's stronger. I think or single families are impacted? not going to be impacted. Uh, so, uh, like I said before, the single families from the meat market. I think those are going to be those are going to be a slight yep. decrease on price. But mostly, what's going to happen? A lot of people took their properties out of the market to see what what was going on. So, what I really see that what I really think that is going to happen and and please, this is just an opinion, is that that the prices are not going to go down in single-family homes, uh, but but the properties are going to stay longer in the market. And, you know, something funny that's going on, I talked to the to the Realtors Association, to the Investors Association, I talked to, to everybody almost every week, and they told me that now, even worse for the condominium market, with with the co- with COVID, for example, I have a lot of friends who who live live in condos, and they were they were there in their apartments. They couldn't okay. use the the amenities, the pool, the gym, nothing. I was at my house, enjoying the pool with my family, and 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 you know, a lot of people now wants to move from condos to houses. So that that's this situation, believe it or not, is creating a, a huge demand of houses. That's amazing. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a lot of people. So that makes it difficult from a financier perspective because you're thinking, okay, is fifty five percent loan to value is that too high now? If the if the taste change, yes, but and the lifestyles change. It's a very big market, and there's a lot of people. So at the fifty five percent, we're gonna be covered anyways. Okay. Okay. Now, now, Alex, we're, we're coming to the end of our discussion, and this has been extremely insightful, and I know the audience is going to love it. Um, I'm, I, I'm wondering, is, is, is there something you look at or you would suggest the audience looks to 
to just get a sense about what's going on in the real estate market or the financing market, whether it's unemployment, it's the stock market, it's gas prices, it's anything. Is it a vaccine? What What are you sort of looking at before you start to get extremely okay. hopeful? So basically, um, what we are looking at is what's going on with unemployment. That's that's for sure. We strong. We believe. We believe uh, this is okay. a great country, Peter, and uh, this country is going to recover from this crisis faster than any other country, despite of the politics, despite the who the president is or or not. This country has a very powerful drive. So, uh, I we personally look at unemployment. We look at at, at the stock market to see how the stock market is reacting in the stock market we we look at the at the gas the gas price you know and because that that's like for yep. us that's a yep. a marker of of what's going on with the industry you now and and yep. basically that basically that I, I i really encourage people not to to put not to put money in the in the stock market no, I encourage people to buy real estate. Real estate ultimately is the best asset to to own, and you can always we can always give added value to to a to a piece of property, and uh, and you can leave that to your kids, and you will always make money with real estate. You just be you, you just gotta be careful Alex, and it- cautious, and and you have to be aware of what you're doing. Eloquently put. Well well said. Uh, Alex, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what, you what's the always, best way to, uh, to uh, reach you? You can always contact me at my office. Our phone number is uh, 305-748-0848. You can also uh, find me in LinkedIn, Alexis Agopian. You can send me an email, uh, aa at ascapital.us. Or you can call my phone, 786-354-5392. I mean, I'm very open for everybody. And your, your, what, what was your, your office line? Your 305 one, one more time, if you can. 748-0848. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining the Kind of Vultures podcast. Really appreciate it. Episode number 10, which is, as we now know, very special number in Argentina because it's Maradona. Thank you so much for so, having um, me. I really enjoyed it. We, 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 we really enjoyed that. So I want to thank um, Alexis Agopian of ANS Capital. He's based in Aventura. He does business throughout the United States. He can get you a loan in as little as three days. You want to reach him on the weekend? He'll answer your call, even if his wife gives him hell. But he's here to do business. He wants to deal with real people. So I encourage you to reach out to him. Now, don't go anywhere after this commercial break. We're going to have a roundtable of former South Florida journalists, myself included, kicking around the three biggest headlines that have occurred in the South Florida real estate market within the last week or so. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side of the commercial. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBR Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zaluski. I'm your host. 
This is the South Florida uh, Real Estate Roundtable. I have three former journalists, myself included. We're going to kick around three of the biggest headlines that occurred within the last week on the ground here in South Florida. And guest number one, or regular contributor, I should say, number one, we have Oscar Musabai. Oscar's a former real estate uh, reporter. He, right now, he is a partner in a public relations marketing firm called Influence Communication. Mr. Musabai, you're there. Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Dolly, speed Dolly. it up. Let's go. Dolly. Stop wasting time. <laughs> what the hell are you in such a rush for? What are you going out to protest? Yeah, I got a, I got a protest to go to. <laughs> and then... We also have former publicly traded company uh, reporter as well as white collar crime reporter, John Feckler. What's up, John? How you doing? How's it going? I understand you're looking for a place. You want to take advantage of a downturn in rent and you're looking to squeeze somebody. How's that search going? I literally was looking today and it's um, every time I turn around, it's somebody's lowering the rent. So I don't know if I should wait or what, but um, it's amazing what's going on. That's good to hear from a tenant perspective. Bad if you're a landlord and you're looking to invest in something. You might not be getting that rent you're performing. Absolutely. John, John, tell me about the about the quality and the prices. Well, give, give us a ballpark. Somebody wants to rent a cottage or they want to rent uh, something small. What what kind of price and in, in, in what area? Yeah, I'm looking in the um, uh, Shenandoah area where I live now because I love the neighborhood. And okay. cottages are going from 1000 to 1200 uh, you can get a room with a private entrance for seven, six fifty to seven hundred. At one point, it was eight fifty plus. So they've they've dropped down pretty considerably. Interesting. And why why is it you're looking to move? Um, well, my landlord is crazy. He's uh, he likes- <laughs> and how much of it has to do with uh, rents coming down? Um, actually, it has a lot to do with it because I'm already paying full ask to live like an, an animal. Um, now I can go out and save myself two hundred bucks a month. There you go. And that 200 bucks, what will you do with it? Um, it certainly wouldn't be for booze. Probably be for food. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So the restaurant tours are going to be happy to hear you. You want to save 200 bucks a month so you can burn it on restaurants. Well, I like to cook. You know, that's my hobby. So, Got it. Got it. Got it. All right, gentlemen. So we're going to kick around three headlines. We do not have any comments this week. I don't know what happened. The comments have suddenly dried up. So if anybody's out there. They want to make a recommendation, a suggestion. They want to offer criticism or critique. We encourage you to do so. To get a hold of us, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So we have three headlines. Uh, We talked about this before we began the podcast, and the way we're going to approach it is we're going to look at the um, uh, South Florida uh, economy first. We're then going to look at the rental market, and John is deep into that one. And then finally, after a commercial break, we're going to get into uh, how buyer preferences are changing in terms of condominiums. So, Oscar Musabai, you're up. Uh, what's the headline and what is the lead uh, and who's the publication? What's the publication? So, the Herald reported that uh, Mayor Carlos Jimenez delayed the yeah. reopening of the beaches, which were supposed to happen today because of the curfews. That have been occurring as a result of protests that have and and today being June June the first. That's right, June first, and the protests uh, were uh, happening last night, the day before, um, and there were issues between protesters and the police, and there were some cars that burned and some other issues. So I don't know exactly whether this is uh, an attempt to try and control the uh the movement 
of a lot of different people and try and maintain some kind of uh, barrier to expansion of the protest. But there's a curfew in place. And until that curfew is in place, the mayor is not going to allow people on the beach. Now, Oscar, let me ask you, um, people, people at home and they could be anywhere around the world. They're saying, wait, you're in Miami. And the episode where an African-American was basically uh, killed by a police officer who applied pressure with his knee on the neck of the gentleman who was uh, handcuffed died in Minneapolis. So people are probably wondering, why why is that infecting uh, Miami? So it's affecting cities throughout the United States, including Miami. And Miami has a long history of issues related to police brutality and and protests. And in some cases, what some might call riots. And Miami was had a call out from the president because he actually, the president of the United States, used a quote that a Miami police chief used in the 1960s to refer to what he planned to do when the protesters uh, got into looting. And um, it was a very uh, race-tinged comment, which is not unusual from this president. The reason why I think the beach issue is very important is because Miami, South Florida, and Florida as a whole is based on tourism. That's one of the main economic pillars. And without uh, the beaches, it severely restricts all kinds of different industries, including real estate, because that's why people buy on the beach is so that they can have access to the water. And there's been so much pent up demand that in other parts of the state where the beaches have been open, people from Miami are actually going there to be able to access the beach. So this is a very important issue. And especially since the hotels are supposed to be reopening as well. And I can tell you that some of the hotels have been open for for some time because they've been serving um, first responders and different people. And um, the Airbnb has also been operating. So they're just waiting for this type of situation to change. And I know downtown Miami has a lot of hotels that are waiting for the cruise lines to get started again. So uh, the beaches, the water hugely important to Miami and Miami real estate and the economy overall. And, and what, what, what type of impact do you think has been going on thus far? Because I think the protesting was going on primarily during the weekend and, and the county, Miami-Dade County wasn't open yet because as you mentioned, beaches were supposed to open today, which is June the 1st. So what, what, what kind of impact do you think there's been thus far economically on Miami-Dade County? Well, perception is an enormous issue and if you see protests anywhere in the country, you're probably going to think twice about traveling there. And the airlines haven't really gotten to where they probably can handle a big volume of people. So maybe, um, you know, they're taking this time to to plan even better. But as far as the um, impact of the protests, there are a lot of impacts because roads have been affected. Now, let's look at the other side of the equation. The bottom line here is that Miami is one of the poorest cities in the country. And part of the reason is because of this racism that has always been an undercurrent in the city. In fact, one of the most prosperous cities in my or portions, neighborhoods in Miami was broken up by a major highway project 
you know, decades ago, which was uh, downtown, Overtown, that area, which was segregated. And then they put 95 through there and basically the entire economic structure that had been there, which was, yes, built on racism because people had to live there. But people were thriving with their own businesses and then they throw uh, a huge, massive construction project there. And Overtown is still not recovered. It's only now getting its legs decades after that occurred. And as more and more neighborhoods recover and, and get their legs uh, through all kinds of different intervention, private investment, government investment, then Miami will grow as a community and more and more areas will, will prosper. So the fact that there is this endemic racism and conflict in all these cities across the country, that's why there are these protests for solidarity and also because our problems are just under the surface. All we need is a certain number of buttons to be pushed. And then the whole thing can start here on a level that we haven't seen in, in many years. So we have to think about all that because in dealing with real estate and dealing with investment, sometimes the opportunity is happening in places that are, that have been neglected for years where the poorest people live. And yeah, in, yeah. in order for people to want to live in a place, they should say, say to themselves, you know, we as a community believe in each other. We see that we can help each other, that we can share in, this, in different food, share in different experiences and different points of view. And in Overtown right now is one of the most famous restaurants in the country, Red Rooster Overtown. That's right. And that just gives you a sense of the interest that people have that uh investors minority investors or investors that that are in the minority group are interested in bringing their money here in places that would normally not get it just not just on the beach not just in brickle not just in the grove not just in sunny Isles, but also in overtown so we got to keep that going and then more people will be able to enjoy more things in miami and i think that has to be part of the equation as we look forward into how miami becomes this very diverse and vibrant city. Now, now, Oscar, let, let me ask you before I turn it over to John. Um, uh, the Red Red Rooster uh, restaurant is actually done by I think it is an Ethiopian chef who has his own program on Netflix, as well as was featured regularly on the former uh, travel slash food uh, writer uh, TV person called Anthony Bourdain. What? Uh, but I can't remember the name of the Ethiopian chef. Do you happen to remember his name? It's Samuelson. Samuelson. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, his roots may be Ethiopian, but uh, I believe he's Swedish. I'll look it up while while we switch yep. stories. But um, yep. he's one of the most famous guys in the Food Network. He's, uh, you know, a, a beard award winner. And That's right. Very famous. And they've opened up this very popular restaurant in, in Overtown, which is a neighborhood inside Miami right next to the core of downtown, right? Where you're going to see Miami world center and all these big projects and the American airlines arena is just a few blocks away. Right. And also where the Miami heat plays. Yep. And, and in relation to Wynwood, how does it relate to Wynwood, Peter? Well, you know, I, I, Wynwood's a tourist destination in my mind. Locals will say, no, 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 we go there, we hang out there. But I think the way it's changed because prices have gone up so significantly and all the retailers and the restaurants that are there now are, are, are really high end. I think it just goes ahead and delays 
and creates more drama for all these restaurateurs who are already struggling because the county was shut down. Now that the county is effectively opening, now, lo and behold, um, you know, a tour is going to feel comfortable. They're going to feel welcome in, in Miami. Right. But, but just, you know, I, I, that that would be my take on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, J- John, I don't I don't know if you have any any perspective about, um, you know, you've been here since the 80s. Get any perspective about how these uh, protests and and hopefully they don't get worse, how what kind of impact they have on the local community, uh, especially economically? Um. <clears throat> I think the impact is going to be uh, more sustained because of the combination of the pandemic and the protests. Um, it's just going to be, a, I think, a much longer time to get, to get back to normal uh, on the economic front. Interesting. Okay. It's uh, all right. Marcus Samuelson. Marcus Samuelson. There you go. Yeah. No, he's Ethiopian background. I think he had a Swedish yeah. Uh, obviously, he had a Swedish Swedish parent, but it's a very unique story, and he's all over Netflix. Especially, uh, I think a lot of people were introduced to him by way of Anthony Bourdain. Yes, and we, yeah. we um, uh, on a different podcast that I have, I got a chance to speak to Derek Fleming, which is one of his partners, and uh, he he told an amazing story of hope about what they plan to do at Red Rooster that they had hired more than seventy locals. And when I say local, I'm talking from Overtown to uh, to be the staff and the wait staff and everything else. They had gone through training. They had created this bar and this environment where all the parts of the restaurant interacted. And right when they were ready to open, the, the pandemic hit. So he's very, very, very excited about reopening and getting people in there and about the future of Miami and this investment. It's a big risk because like any restaurant... Restaurants work on very low margins or thin margins. And I think, and yeah, go yeah, ahead. I think John. retail too is another question mark. I got a friend who I talked to today, literally was going to be going back to work, uh, was contacted, was trained, uh, was working for one of the retailers on the beach. And uh, he just got an email saying not to come in. <laughs> He's going to get paid for it, but they're, they're not going to open. So, you know. Yeah, oh, is that a direct result of the protesting? Uh, well, you know, I brought that up to him. He said they didn't give him a reason which is interesting. You know, I said, you know, that's the first thing I thought of was because, you know, maybe it'll be temporary because of the protests, but he said, no, they wouldn't, they didn't give him a reason. John, John, where is the location uh, Miami of Beach. your friend? Where, he, where, he where do they work? An upscale retailer on Miami beach. Wow. So Miami yeah. beach. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's a tough, uh, I mean, there are all kinds of different reasons why businesses may not reopen because the margins in many of these businesses are thin and they're paying very high rents. So if the capacity in the case of restaurants is 50% and the potential capacity of a retailer is around there or less, then they're not going to be able to make their rent. And then what's the point of opening and then having to close a day later or a month later or whatever it is. So personally, I think that the government is going to have to continue to cover uh, the PPP, which is the program that allows businesses to get some money for rent and other things uh, related to their business. If if they continue that while the reopening is happening, then maybe we can make it work, you know, like a, a soft reopening, slowly getting back on our feet. But uh, just putting restrictions on capacity is going to put an amount, a huge amount of pressure on these businesses uh, to hire back staff and 
uh, operate with only, you know, a, uh, a small percentage of what their clientele used to be. Yeah. Wow. How much more can these business owners actually take? Um, hey, Oscar, you mentioned you have a podcast. Um, why, why don't you throw the name of it out there and tell people who are listening? And you, obviously you have a lot of fans. Yeah. How, how they can um, how they can find it and where they can listen. So Miami View is a program that I created with uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, almost a year ago. And it's on Miami's Community Newspapers Facebook page and also on our Twitter page. We put it out there. But the whole idea was to give people access to people and information that they normally wouldn't access in Miami. So we have a diverse group of hosts and we've done the show in Overtown a few times because we wanted to put our money where our mouth is and actually go down and see what was going on and experience that, which was wonderful. And the owner of community newspapers, what he had said was he hadn't been down in Overtown for many, many years. And because of the show, he went down there and he was really impressed and surprised by how much activity there was and how much, uh, you know, things had had improved. And there's a lot of investment in that neighborhood. In, in fact, uh, there's a festival every year here that's very popular internationally. It's called Art Basel and Miami Art Week. And there's a black basil that occurs in Overtown, or at least some some of the events are held in Overtown. And what it is, is highlighting black artists and black writers. And this year, they're going to have a uh, book festival in Overtown. So there are all these wonderful things that are happening. And luckily, through Miami View, this program that I, that I created with, with these friends of mine, uh, we've been able to focus attention on that. So I hope we can, we can continue. And as a result, uh, we were able to speak to Derek Fleming, who was in New York because he lives there, but he says he's spending more time in Miami these days than he is in New York. So he's a guy who's invested not only his money, but also his time in, yes. in Miami, which is an enormous value to us to have that kind of brand and an opportunity here. Just an amazing, amazing situation. So. And, and again, Oscar, people can go to Facebook. They look up uh, Miami View, or they go to the Community News. Right. They go to. Uh, they can go to Miami's Community Newspapers, or the, they can look up Miami View Show, <laughs> which is the name of the show. Okay. And uh, so just type type that in Google and, and follow the link. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Should work. Okay. Yeah. But I I want to hear about John's uh, John's next, right? John's story. J- John's story is next, but I'll tell you what, we went longer than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do is I would like to uh, tell everybody, if you have any comments about anything that's been said thus far or you want to offer any suggestions, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. We're going to take a break right now. On the other side of the commercial, we're going to get into what John's uh, story is, John Fackler's story has to do with the rental market, and then finally we'll wrap it up with uh, my piece based on how buyer preferences are changing uh, as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. This is the Count of Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. We have John Fackler and Oscar Musabai. We'll catch you on the other side. Hi, this is Oscar Musabai from Influence Communications. In this age of coronavirus, nothing is more important than keeping your current customers and attracting new ones. And at Influence Communications, we are expert at reaching out to the media and letting them know that your business is open and the services that you provide. And our expertise is in adaptation, helping businesses change their messaging on a regular basis to make sure that they are keeping up with what 
is happening and what the market is demanding. And we also specialize in reaching out to Spanish language media to get your story out. So please call me, Oscar Musabai, 786-348-9257. That's 786-348-9257. 786-348-9257. Thank you. Welcome back to the Count of Vultures podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. I have John Fackler and Oscar Musabai, two former journalists who are now involved in public relations and marketing in the South Florida and the Miami areas. So we're kicking around the three biggest headlines that have occurred in the last week from the South Florida real estate perspective. Oscar did a, uh, Oscar talked about what was going on with the, the would-be opening of Miami-Dade County, but it's been delayed as a result of everything going on in Minneapolis with the uh, murder of the African-American by a white police officer. John, what is your story? Uh, who is the publisher? And what Okay, first I just wanted to give my apologies. As is customary, I'm having some uh, technical difficulties as well as I'm I'm being I'm also being dive bombed by a bunch of magpies. So once again, the bird theme is uh, live and well. Um, so my and anybody who doesn't know anything about the mag, about about the bird theme, John saw uh, what he described as a colorful chicken a couple weeks ago. It turns out it was one of the peacocks that lives in and around uh, Little Havana, but primarily Coconut Grove. So uh, you, you obviously have a bird issue, John. Um, so my, my headline here is um, rent decreased for multifamily dwellers in South Florida since the pandemic. This is a uh, Miami Herald story. Um, basically, leaders, millennials uh, might be finally cutting multifamily renters a break in South Florida. And uh, Zillow is reporting a decrease in asking rents for new leases since the pandemic. Um, they've got year-over-year numbers, month-over-month numbers. Apparently, the biggest drop was over the last uh, month, April 20th through um, uh, May 20th. Um, base, basically, the average rent in Miami, the metro area, was $1,881 in April 2020. Um, rent grew by 2.6 over April 2019, uh, but there's a decline from 2.9% rent growth that the metro area saw comparing March 2019 to March 2020. Um John, if I could just stop you before you bog us down with all these all these stats, um, you you said a critical word. You right. said average, yes. right? Is that the word you used? Anybody out there in in condo vulture uh, podcast land, I would encourage you not to and never to use average when talking about rentals. The reason being is when the rental data is collected, you have people doing Airbnbs, you have people doing monthly rentals, you have people doing annual rentals, and a whole variety. If you rely on average, it's simply going to be too skewed. I'd encourage you to rely on median number. Median is going to give you a better sense of what's really going on. Because keep in mind, rental data is bullshit. It's, it's, it's totally off. It's not complete. It only includes that stuff which is in the MLS or in Zillow's case, anybody who's right. advertising with Zillow. It does not include corporate-owned properties where you walk in and there's a leasing office. So never use average data unless if you research, want to get the correct information. Research, That's my point. So, so research has also found yep. a decline in rents in month-to-month data. So, um, so the things they're starting to see rent coming down, you know, across the country. Uh, starting to see rent coming down. Come on, sure, rent's yeah. been coming down forever. How many times do I got to post on social media with guys holding signs? Remember how you used to see restaurant open up? There'd be a guy dressed in a chicken outfit turning around a sign saying free chicken if you come in today. Guys are holding signs saying you get two, three months free rent if you move in. They were doing this before the pandemic. I think Zillow and who basically whoever's putting out this story 
yeah, I think they're far removed. They're probably uh, selling high-end condos or houses. And they're not actually dealing in the rental market. That would be my take. Sorry, Oscar, I didn't mean to interrupt. What, uh, what, what, what's your take on it? No, I mean, the, the rental market, I think, is definitely going to be affected by the volume of units in the market. And more are coming on. So the condominiums that have not sold are probably going to have to be rented, which means even more volume. And I think we talked about it last week. And either Peter, you or John had some some statistics on the volume. It's like six or seven years of supply, right? And in, in the market yep. right now. Uh, yep. That says it all right there. Can I just add real quickly yep. before you guys um, comment? Um, they also said in the story that landlords will likely renegotiate rent with existing tenants and make concessions, or in the last resort, lower lower asking rents for new tenants. Um, and apparently their, their take is that landlords do not have a huge incentive to evict tenants because they've got their own maintenance costs, mortgage, and insurance payments for the property. And that makes sense. John, where I, where I come from in Chicago, that's called a no-shit line. <laughs> they don't have incentive. I mean, come on. What, what, what landlord in their right mind would not try to work with a tenant today? I mean, A, you're not going to find anybody. B... If you do find somebody, you're going to have all these people uh, strolling through and they might have the COVID. So, I mean, come on. Uh, th- th- this story sounds yep. like complete horseshit. Um, I realize it's what the industry is saying, but I think the industry is, uh, you know, taking advantage of some of that legalized well, medical come, marijuana in other states. Yeah, it's, it's not legal yet. Zillow in real estate market report. So, you know, take a look. Oh, yeah. Zillow is always right. We all know that. <laughs> Interesting. Sorry. Sorry. It's just. It's so offensive if you if you pay attention to the stats and you actually get in there and dig at them to you know hear some bullshit like that put out. I I'm sorry. So anybody else want to add anything about rentals before we go to big picture? My my piece. Cool. Nope. Okay. All right. So here, here here's my story. So COVID hits. Uh, before COVID hits, South Florida is a bastion. It's a destination. It is an epicenter for condominiums. I I like to call it a laboratory for condo development. The same way Silicon Valley does technology, uh, South Florida does condos. So it's a place everybody wants to buy. Why? Because you can get your slice of South Florida. The problem is, is that you got three, four, 500 units in a building. There's 1.5 people per unit and you got about 0.5 dogs per unit. Lo and behold, COVID hits. Now people want to distance. They want a social distance and we all know what it's all about. So all that being said, there's a story that came out, again, Miami Herald, uh, headline, the pandemic changed what Miami buyers want in a home. Developers are taking notes. Effectively, what it says is buyers want space now. As a result of wanting space, they don't want to be confined to a condominium where if there's another pandemic, that all the common areas are closed, the gym, the pool, everything else. So many of them are looking to maybe uh, give up on the condo lifestyle and see if they can't go horizontal into a single family home. What say you, Oscar? Well, that's in line with uh, the trend of nostalgia that millennials had reportedly been <laughs> tapping into. So there's going to, it sounds like there's going to be huge demand for houses and uh, it's, it's going to control. Uh, I mean, there's always been demand in South Florida for houses, but it's, it sounds like it's going to grow even more. Interesting. And I just wonder though, anybody who's coming from a condo to a house, um, Many of them aren't aware that, okay, you're saving money. Like if you go into a condo, you're paying 75 cents a foot, generally speaking, on the mainland per month. 
in maintenance fees, but that covers everything. And if you go into a uh, condo on the beach, you're looking at a dollar a foot. Well, you say, well, why the hell would I waste all that money? I can live in a house. Well, the flip side is on a house, you got to be the super. You got to be the general contractor. You got to hire the landscaper. You got to bring in the uh, plumber. You got to bring in all this type of stuff to get it fixed. When there's a hurricane, you got to put up the shutters. The other aspect is that nobody factors in is insurance. Insurance for a house is going through the roof. And as we get into hurricane season, if there's any storms, it's only to get higher. So while it seems like a, a very attractive and appealing uh, approach at first, when you actually start to dig into the numbers, you find out it's, it's extremely expensive to have your own single family house. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Oscar, you, you used to have a house. Yeah. Was, was I, I, How did the numbers work? Was it advantageous? What I can tell you is you don't realize it until you buy a house. So in a building like where I live now, I don't have to worry as as like I I didn't have to worry when I was a renter about yep. many of the issues that could befall a building in a hurricane because the HOA covers the insurance for the external, right? So in a house, you're responsible for everything. Anything goes wrong and you're 100% under the, the thumb of the insurance company and whoever else is you're going to have to deal with to get this house back into shape. And sometimes claims can take years or yeah. they're disputed or the way that insurance companies work now generally is that they will give you uh, the money that your house is basically worth today, not when you started the uh, insurance plan. So if your roof is five years old, well, guess what? They're going to give you the, the volley, the um, return uh, of money based on a roof that's five years old, not a roof that's brand new. So wow. that means that in any situation where there's a hurricane, if there's whatever it is, a palm tree hits your house or whatever, then yep. you're going to have the insurance company. If, if you, if you have a good one is, is only going to give you a portion of what you think. I, Oscar, do you remember? You remember what your insurance payments were? Do you remember what the deductible was? No, just, just by any chance. No, but the the issue in Miami Beach, in particular, in places that flood, is that a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago, the state of yep. Florida tried to use a new formula to, or the insurance companies were trying to use a new formula to impose, according to them, real world insurance costs, and the costs were so completely uh were so high that it made living in miami beach impossible literally impossible and what that tells you is that the insurance industry to some degree and the government of florida is subsidizing the ability of people like me to live in miami beach because they know at some point there's going to be an overwhelming storm that's going to blow out the circuits of all the money <laughs> that's available for repaying people and rebuilding these properties so and and, and you know and, and before john sort of responds just to tell you guys i did consulting for the developers who did the ritz carlton miami beach uh -huh. it's over there off of um, alton yep. not far from um, mount sinai hospital the old uh, miami heart institute uh -huh. and my recommendation to them and i think they took advantage of it was at the time when they were just planning it was to go ahead and and, and offer this brand new condominium with state-of-the-art technology and, and who do you sell it to? You sell it to the people who live there in a horizontal single family home 
who no longer want to have to deal with all the bullshit that's associated with it. Let them sell that house, make a boatload of money, and move into a condominium with new technology rather than having to do it themselves. So I, I, I would totally agree with you, Oscar. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to get much more difficult as the seas continue to rise to live in places like Miami Beach because we're already getting flooded from the bottom, from the, you know, the sewer system and everything from the water reclamation system, the water's coming up because the floor is porous, right? So it's, it's, uh, it may, there may be a time when Miami beach will not be uh, livable anymore, unless they do something like Stiltsville where all the properties are above ground and you can see it actually on Alton road. There's a brand new house that's under construction, two stories. And you can see that the first floor is completely, uh, you know, basically just, uh, you know, uh, a skeleton so that they can use it as long as they can. But at some point they expect that if the water rises that much, they'll have to, you know, just get in there and a water ski or a, a boat or, a, you know, something else. Kayak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kayak. Much like you see in the keys, much like you see in the keys, they use that as like common area yep. and then your real house is located on the second floor. Exactly. Interesting. Hey, so, so John, um, yeah. Oscar was talking about the dangers of rising sea levels. You have the dangers of flying <laughs> birds as well. So, um, what, what, well, what, what sort of your take on this? As somebody who's been living yeah. down here a long time, and somebody who's been living up in Long Island, where there are all kind of issues associated with, um, you know, the weather and, and rising sea levels and everything I'll, else I'll like that. What, question, what's your take? There's a question yeah. to both of you guys. Um, you know, I've done. Uh, no, so he doesn't want to answer, I mean, Oscar. Really, I mean. You know, I've done all of it. I've owned a condo. I've owned a house. I've rented it, you know, rented an apartment. You know, looking looking forward six months, 12 months out as a consumer, for consumers, not really talking about investors, but for consumers, what is the way to go? Rent, buy a condo, or buy a home? And well, what, what say you, John? What's going on right now? See, I don't think, I think this is short term as far as the protest, so that's a non-issue. In my opinion, um, but you still have the economy problems with the economy, which happened before the pandemic. You've got the pandemic, which is not really ending. Yep. I'm confused. I, I wouldn't know what to do if I was there. That's why I'm asking. Well, I, 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 well, here's my suggestion: conserve your cash. Conserve your cash. If you didn't sell already, you're stuck in your place. Try to refinance it, get a, a tremendously low interest rate, and just sit back and be patient. If you are renting, you should not renew your lease round and negotiate down significantly whatever you're paying because that landlord does not want to lose you. Why? Because we're oversupplied our marketplace. We're absolutely positively oversupplied. And this time there's not foreign nationals waiting in the wings to buy up all the product. Why? Because the dollar's too strong. My take. Makes sense. Yeah. So anybody want to offer anything? We blew our uh, time allotment (laughs) once again. Anybody want to offer anything before we shut this uh, podcast number 10? Can you guys believe it? 10th podcast before we shut it down. I'm very satisfied right now. <laughs> All right. Well, as long as Oscar's satisfied, that's good enough for me. You listen to Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. That's Oscar Musabai uh, from Influence Communication, former real estate uh, reporter, journalist, and, and John Fackler, former white collar crime, as well as publicly traded uh, company. A reporter who does now does public relations and marketing. If you guys have any questions, you got any suggestions, any tips, any criticisms, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. 
I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Thanks for listening to podcast number 10. Be sure to check back next week. We're going to have another interesting, uh, insightful podcast for you. Thank you. Have a good week. Later.